Good morning, everybody. Wonderful to be with you, and also if you're online as well, whenever you're watching. Uh, please keep your Bibles open, because this is quite a wordy, wordy passage, so um, that would be great. I will open in prayer. Dear God, we pray that as we read your word and study it together, would you open our eyes, Lord, to your divine power and your invisible qualities that make you God, Lord, and will you draw us into a service that we can live our lives that please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm just going to pray, uh, play even. George Michael, do you remember? You've got to have faith. Because I got to have You've got to have faith. Some people at the nine couldn't hear the words, so I thought I'd better explain that. So everything, everyone has faith in something or someone, and we say, usually negative, oh, I've lost faith in the NHS, lost faith in politicians, and what we mean is that we don't think they're going to deliver on what they said they would, or what we expected from the system. And sometimes when good things happen, we can say, oh, this restores my faith in humanity or democracy or justice, whatever the situation is. So we trust in somebody's ability or knowledge, and we look to see if the actions or outcomes match what was promised, so that the person has done what they said they would do. Well, Jesus came so that those who believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So the only way that we can come to God is through faith, believing in what he has revealed about himself, and then trusting his character, that he will do what he has promised, because God is faithful. And we live by faith and not by sight, and this is the firm foundation we can build our lives on. So I'm so glad we are looking at Hebrews, which I think is a really awesome book. So I hope you're going to read it from um, the beginning to the end. So you'll understand why we know that Jesus is the only one we can completely trust because he is the best. He is better than all the rest. So at the beginning of Hebrews 11, we get this definition of faith. Faith. First, being confident in what we hope for and also assurance in what we do not see. So that is being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we cannot see it. So here's a slide of a radar screen. So the only way pilots can fly in fog is by trusting their radar. Radar tells us about things that are there, but they're too far away or they're hidden for our eyes to see. So we can liken faith to radar that sees through fog. Faith knows what is there, and it tells us even when we cannot actually see it. 
with our eyes. So we cannot see God, but faith tells us he is there. There's three things about faith in this passage I'm going to talk about. So first, that we believe in God's word, his revelation of himself, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because of that, we then trust in his character, in his promises, that he is faithful, and he will do what he said. And thirdly, that means that we then live our lives to please God. So God has certainly has given us certain promises through his word, and primarily through his son, Jesus, where we can hope for many things, but in the context of Hebrews, our hope is being made right with God, securing a place in God's house, being part of God's people, living peacefully and well under the care of God's rule in eternity. And these are the things that preoccupied the Jewish tradition as well. But Jesus came and he opened up this new and living way for us to enter into God's presence by his sacrificial death. So it's Jesus alone who makes us good enough to live in God's presence through his spirit of grace. So what do we hope for So our secular culture has become so obsessed with the here and now. I want it all and I want it now. And our culture always influences the way we perceive God. So this came, this came for me yesterday. So maybe we think of God as Amazon and Jesus as our speedy driver who will deliver everything we want to our door. But then we might lose faith because we don't actually want those deliveries and actually the, the, uh, the delivery, it was just too slow. Well, in the context of Hebrews, they were being persecuted for their faith. So pressing on was a hard but necessary option, the narrow and the hard way. This faith hopes in the invisible, the eternal. They believed in the God who said, there is so much more to life than what we see. In Christ, we have better and more lasting possessions. And some of us might be finding life difficult at the moment because life isn't fair, and, uh, or maybe life isn't just playing out the way we expected it to. Maybe there's sudden illness or family difficulties or all sorts of anxieties that make trusting in a loving God difficult. We are experiencing fog. Well, as Christians, we are not immune to any of life's hardships, although it is tempting to always read those lovely verses in the Bible that always promise protection and wealth and happiness at all times. But there's always context to those verses, and we always have to balance Scripture with Scripture. So we need to turn on our radar. Where is Jesus in my situation? Where is the power of the invisible spirit working? We live by faith and not by sight. 
And Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then faith is illustrated in verse three. Verse three says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So I was talking to a friend about her daughter. Her daughter loves the natural world and really passionate about sustainability. And she feels so connected to nature. It's so good for her well-being. So I asked, oh, has this stimulated any spirituality? Well, no, not at all. Mother nature is about as far as it gets. But if she sees just the black and white, Jesus gives us color, and we see the fingerprints of God all over creation. We see beauty and diversity and extraordinary things and think, by faith, there must be a God who created all this. The evidence we see gives us faith that God is real. And it resonates with the biblical narrative that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were creating the universe through Jesus, the unseen word. So the invisible world creates the visible one. And it says that by faith we understand this. So St. Augustine wrote that faith is the first step to understanding Understanding is the reward of faith. So don't try to understand that you may believe, but believe so that you will understand. So faith is a spiritually perceiving and understanding process. Faith opens up this vast capacity for God and his beauty and joy and peace, love and goodness, which can only be understood as we have fellowship with him and enjoy his presence. But our part is to do everything that Jesus has asked us to do, which is why we studied the Sermon on the Mount. And I just wondered, how are we getting on with all that we learned? I just think uh, the bit about prayer, just to take prayer more seriously and pray into the power of the invisible God is something I want to work on. But faith is fundamental to the biblical narrative from beginning to end. So we need to ask ourselves, have I got faith? And how do I know if I've got the right faith? And it really isn't about how big your faith is, how sincere you are. It's about a saving faith which believes in God's work. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, and then we trust his character that he is faithful and he will do all he has promised. And then that shows us how we can live a life that pleases God. So we've got three characters to look at who are commended for their faith. How did they believe God's word and trust his character and live this out? So first of all, first up is Abel. We're told about Abel, he brought God a better offering than his older brother Cain. So they're the sons of Adam and Eve, and their story's in Genesis 4. So it didn't take long, did it, for sin to, and sibling rivalry to wreck family life. And yet somehow, by faith, 
Abel knew that he should offer God as the sacrifice of the firstborn of his flock, which is the right sort of sacrifice because there is shedding of blood, which is for the forgiveness of sins. So in that way, he prefigured Jesus. And then Cain, he had this choice, didn't he, to battle with, with evil. And he could have done the right thing, but he chose to go with evil. He murdered his brother, probably out of jealousy. So Abel is a, an example of sacrificial faith and understanding what pleased God, even though it enraged his brother and it cost his life. And, you know, they're, they're, they're Christians from Muslim background, believers, um, and they, they can lose their lives as well when their families find out they've, they've become Christians. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big cost. So I hope you're not in such a dire situation. But our faith, it can evoke negative reactions from others. So it does call for sensitivity and courage. But in places we work and relax in, I wonder, do people know that we're Christians and see that faith makes a difference to the way we live? Well, how about Enoch? Do we know about Enoch? Well, he never died. He was one of the very few, did his own ascension. So God took him up because he was pleased with him. And we're told in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked faithfully with God. That's what he did. He walked faithfully. So the implication is here that his day-to-day life was determined by the belief that God was real and that Enoch earnestly sought him and found him to be a generous God who saved him from death. I mean, it's extraordinary. And God does promise us eternal life, and that life, it starts now. So it is this wonderful privilege we can have to be able to walk with God and by seeking God, talking to him, asking questions, deepening our knowledge of his character and finding out that he is faithful, that we can love him more. So as we know, with friendships, the more we share with our friends, the more we get to know, get to know them. So earnestly seek God, maybe through reading the Bible, praying more deeply, and listening to his voice. Listen to his voice and then act, act it out. So put on your radar and see where Jesus is working in your life or the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, working unseen in a situation. Because life distracts us, doesn't it? It keeps us busy, there's always stuff to do. So our challenge is to make this a main priority in our lives. The invisible is so much more lasting than the visible. And then there's Noah. It's not just a Sunday school story, because... Noah's warned about things that are not seen, that the flood is coming. He believes God, trusts God. He will do what he said, so he acts accordingly. He builds his ark. Noah acted with holy fear, it says. So his reverence for God and who God is overcame his fear of people and their evil and their violence. So maybe he had 
real doubts about his mission. And maybe people were really cruel in their mockery and thought he was totally bonkers. And maybe he just wondered how on earth is all this going to happen, you know, uncertain about collecting all those animals and logistics, how it's all going to work out. But he was obedient to God's calling. It really didn't make sense to anyone else, and they carried on as normal. But in the end, it happened. And in 2 Peter, he calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. So you can imagine Noah was trying to warn people, tell them about the coming disaster. But because it was just Noah and his family who were saved, it's obvious nobody listened. He didn't, they just didn't have any concept of this faith that Noah was talking about. And this was a lasting judgment on the world. So do we live in reverent awe of God that can overcome the fear of people and their opinions? We want to show God's love to those around us, but sometimes we have to stand up to, for God's standards. So maybe questioning a bullying culture at work or a prejudice or some dodgy practices going on, or maybe helping people with their relationship problems. Do we go along with them or offer a different view of what honors God's way of behaving? And we need the same faith today. So dear Jamie and Jenny can, they can, they're moving on to serve at St. Barnabas's. But Jamie, he believed in God's word literally at the age of seven about being ordained. And so there have been some knockbacks, but you've trusted God's character and you have persevered. And the whole family, you've been walking day by day with God, growing in faith and understanding. So as you start your curacy, we ask God just to strengthen your faith and to lead you into greater service in a way that pleases him. I'm sure you're going to be brilliant. So saving faith is the belief in God's word that keeps us pressing on when everything else around us tells us to give up. It's not working. And it's the kind of faith that lives day to day, despite the fog of life, trusting in God's promises that through our Lord Jesus, we have been made right with him so that we can be free to love and do good things that please God. A faith that believes God will reward us with a home in heaven, gloriously living with Jesus where no sin can sabotage all the goodness. Is that pie in the sky for you? Well, as I get older, I think it sounds increasingly appealing. And I have to say, there's so much evil and violence going on. I just am praying more for Jesus just to come, come back again and uh, bring his kingdom. But it's not just in the future. We can know God's presence in our life lives as we persevere in deepening our relationship with God and growing in understanding of the one who loves us and gave his life for us. So let us pray.